0: Welcome back to the Cheap Heat Productions podcast. Okay, welcome back to the show and today on the show i'm joined by angel orsini a wrestler that's been in the business for quite a long time and we're going to find out how she ended up in the crazy world of professional wrestling angel how are you
1: i am fabulous how you doing is
0: the i am doing doing good doing good life is good as i was saying here in ireland we're back to normal so i'm very happy coming over to america now in a couple of weeks for wrestlemania very that's- excited
1: I'm happy for you guys. That's great. I'm glad to hear that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of yourself, then, getting into the business, I understand that you were involved in MMA prior to going into the wrestling business. you want to tell me just about how the journey even into MMA began?
1: Sure. So, um, I was an athlete my whole life. Started at, like, eight. I did uh, track and field, gymnastics, and... um I was also raised on a farm part of the time. And um, I had I come from a split family, divorced when I was real young. And um, so I wanted to get out on my own. Uh, after I graduated from high school, the day after my car was already packed and I moved out on my own and um, never looked back. Um, that led me to uh, being about 19 and living on my own uh, as a single woman And unfortunately I was attacked by somebody who was stalking women and I literally had a fight for my life. Um, I guess I should have been more aware and uh, I wasn't. And uh, I literally had a fight for my life. It was like out of a horror show. Um, But after several hours, I finally escaped with my life. Uh, The man was going to take me in the woods and kill me didn't want to kill me in my home. So um, it messed me up. It was pretty traumatic. I ended up with severe um, anxiety and um, depression. I would feel sorry for myself. Why did this happen? It gave me like a spiritual crisis because I'm a believer in God. And uh, so I got sick and tired of being sick of, of being afraid of everything. And I decided I was gonna take my life back. And I had these dreams of, you know, if I would go away to this paradise place where there were palm trees and sunshine, that I was gonna find peace. And I I ended up meeting a friend, making new friends and went to Florida. And I decided that I was gonna move there because that's where my peace was. Yeah. I lived in my car and I joined a gym and I would take a shower at the gym. And I just step-by-step started taking my life back and overcoming this fear. And then I said, you know what? I actually am a badass. I have nothing to be afraid of because this person killed two other girls. And I I lived, you know, so I'm going to start doing martial arts and figure out how do I know this stuff? And so that's what I did. I started in Taekwondo and I got my black belt like super quick went into this uh instructor program and um that's when i decided that i was going to dedicate my career to the women who passed away the best way to honor them um was to do something incredible with my life and that started me on my journey i actually was a really good fighter i was state champion for black belt women and Olympic style Taekwondo and then I got the opportunity to train with Bart Vale and what they called shoot fighting, which was MMA. And uh, Bart Vale was trained by Malenko Senior uh, and uh, he also went to Japan for Fujiwara Gumi. He was champion over there, uh, kickboxing champion. I think several different titles he held And so I got the opportunity after training about a year to go over there and fight. And I fought in uh, Queendom, the highest wars uh, against, you know, Miko Hota, who was a number one uh, Japan girl.
0: So things like moved pretty quick for you once you started training and dedicating your life to this.
1: Yes. And I was completely dedicated. I ate, slept, drank nothing but martial arts i taught six classes a day and then i would stay at the dojo and i would close it down i ended up being the manager and they just they were just like well you're the first one here and the last one to leave here's the keys you know so what was the
0: what was the main cultural differences between america and japan both like in terms of fighting and in terms of just lifestyle
1: to be honest, as a fighter, I didn't see much of a difference. These people lived at the dojo and I I also lived at the dojo. Um, So I fit right in. Um, But I think the thing that I noticed was really very respectful and very humble. Now, you want your students and you want everybody to behave that way in martial arts, but people don't. There's a lot of egos. There's a lot of extra extra yeah yeah (laughs) it's unnecessary and you know sometimes it kind of takes the wind out of the room a little bit you know and makes you like wonder if you really want to deal with these kind of people because let's be honest when you're traveling and fighting you go with a group of people you're like in a bus sometimes you're not even in a bus sometimes it's just a big van You know, and you got to basically live with these people, you know, and if there's not nice people, it it makes it hard because it's already hard. It's already hard on your body. You're always in pain. You're always injured. You know, you're never like healthy. It's just, you know, you're just pushing through all of that stuff. It's really a matter of a mental and emotional endurance really is.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure you wouldn't take any of it back, even those long days and long nights.
1: Not one. Mm. I'm so grateful. I mean, it's a horror show that I went through. Yeah. But um, to be honest with you, after I went through the journey of overcoming that, the truth is, like, going to Japan all by myself to represent my country with no coach, no manager, no nothing, wasn't scary. There's really not anything that's scary to me anymore. You know, I, I'm just, I've been to the edge. I thought I was going to take my last breaths and I've been through other struggles, uh, also, and I, I'm still here and yeah, I'm still yeah. kicking ass. And, you know, if there's a breath in me, uh, I have a chance and all I need is a chance, one chance.
0: Yeah. And did the door to professional wrestling open while you're in Japan or did you have any prior matches before going over there?
1: No, actually, I I I liked pro wrestling, but I didn't think it was for me. Um, I when I went to the Queendom, uh, I met Reggie Bennett and she was a original glow girl and she was wrestling um on the card and she was like so happy to see an another american because she'd been living there for so long and she's like i just want to hear you talk you know? <laughs> <laughs> <English> and, <laughs> you know so i had a great time hanging out with her and she really convinced me to give it a try she was like an ambassador for pro wrestling women's wrestling and she she sold me on at least trying yeah and And so when I came back from uh, Japan, I uh, knew Sunshine Wrestling and I went to their show and I was like, I met Liz Chase. And so uh, I was like, I want to learn. And she was like, you would be a good wrestler, you know. So she was my trainer. And um, the last six weeks of my training, Joni Lee Lauer, China. Came to stay at Liz's house. So, the last six weeks of my training, I was training with China. Wow. Amazing.
0: What was she like as a person?
1: So, when I met her, she was super sweet and she was really a girly girl. Like, yeah, into like costumes. And she would always be like, oh, like right now, I have no nail polish on and they're all jacked up. Cause I'm like a farm girl. I'm like, really like, I just break stuff. I'm a brute. I, I don't mean to be, but that's just. And so she's this like really dainty girl. And she's like, you need to, you know, put polish. And she was like painting my nails for me and she's giving me ideas about costumes and stuff. And she, and, and she was an amazing physical specimen. Yeah. I mean, she was phenomenal looking. Everybody noticed her everywhere we went. And um, she was so strong. I worked out in the gym with her a bunch of times. She filled up the leg press machine as much as it could. And then she asked me to sit on top of it. And she, bent, and she pressed that thing, like, for, like, 15 repetitions, man. Wow. It was thick. It was, like, awe-inspiring. Like, people in the gym were all, like, gathered around, you know? Like, she was amazing. And she was so dedicated to being the very best that she could be. She had her schedule when she had to eat this, when she had to take this. But, you know, all of her supplements were, like, um, you know, measured out for the day, all of her food, she would measure her food. She, and she would, didn't even drink any alcohol the whole time that she, that I saw her, I saw her drink, uh, like a half a glass of wine the whole entire time. So she really inspired me to step up my game and take that ex, those extra steps of dedication to look better and be more self-disciplined. And, yeah. uh, I'm glad that I did because I ended up competing in bodybuilding after that. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, made me a better athlete, too.
0: Yeah. And how did you end up on in the crazy world of ECW?
1: Oh, yeah. So um, that, let's see, uh, 1999, I really, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was wrestling. All the time, this full-time job was wrestling. Yeah. And I was working for Teddy Long and Rocky Boulware. They, I think it was called Atlanta Championship Wrestling at the time. And they gave me the opportunity to wrestle the guys. They had come to a, the wrestling school where I was training. And they saw everybody there and they wanted to start using everybody. And they saw me working out with the guys and they said, Hey, what do you think about, uh, we'd like to have you hold a belt we're gonna create a belt for you and the guys were like hey do hardcore so that's what happened i ended up wrestling the guys hardcore and they taped those matches for me and then i i went to an ecw show and i started you know um kind of campaigning for myself to get a job and i started meeting all the, all the wrestlers. I went super early to all of the shows and I would just work out. I started working out with Lita, started working out with jazz. And, um, so Tommy dreamers like, do you have anything on tape that I can look at? So I gave him the tape, uh, the tape of me wrestling, uh, demon Hellstorm, And I went through a table outside the ring and, um, he was like, "Yeah, we want to hire you."
0: So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's a that's a real ECW initiation right there.
1: Yeah, it was like, and I was over the moon. Uh, I thought ECW was the best storylines on TV at the time, so I was really excited, and I was so honored that I got to have like an, a character and a storyline, and yeah, it, it was like a dream come true, really
0: yeah what was the what was it like being there backstage at an ecw show because i've talked to various people before and they just pretty much said that everyone that isn't there or is looking from the outside thinks that's just a crazy place but really it's just kind of like a family backstage
1: i mean at first you think it's crazy absolutely because people are constantly joking with each other the guys the guys were hardcore pranksters on each other uh And, um, and then there's like all these, all these people, it's like, what are all these people here? They're not even on the show. Like what's going on. Mm. But it was like a family. Once you get accepted into the family and you know, you, you did have to earn it. And, um, but if you earned it, then that's it. You're ECW for life. And And it is like a family. And we, I mean, we even fought for each other. I mean, I literally had the guys backs, uh, and, and, uh, I wasn't at the LA show, but when that whole stuff went down, I mean, they were literally fighting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, back to back against invaders into our locker room, you know, uh, that's pretty sick, you know, that's not normal yeah. pro wrestling stuff.
0: And did you get to work with Paul Heyman much?
1: Um, well, yes. Because if it's a pay-per-view, you know, we have typical production meeting. So um, you have – in ECW, you have your leaders, the main stars of your match and what the storyline is. But then everybody gets to put their stuff together. But the beginning, you know – Paul would lay down the foundation and give you like an outline. This is what has to happen. And then he would go and work with each group a little bit, make sure you understood this is what has to happen. Um, But for like TV, he really, not so much. He wasn't really, he wasn't there all the time, you know? Uh, But pay-per-views, yeah, absolutely. He was like in charge.
0: So you kind of had a small bit of creative freedom in terms of he'd lay out the, the bones of the match, we'll say, and the bones of the storyline. And you guys could kind of, I guess, fill in the blanks if you wanted.
1: Yeah. I mean, he trusted us. That's why we were there. You know, yeah. if you if you didn't have that level of trust, then you wouldn't be there. There was nobody that was getting babysat. There was none of that.
0: Yeah, no. you could tell you could tell from the product as well that there was that kind of that little bit of expression that that's allowed and i think a lot of people when they look at the business these days they'll say in wwe guys don't really have that they they get handed maybe scripts of paper and then they compare it to maybe aw now this is just from the outside i don't know but from what you hear it seems to be a bit looser in terms of like you can uh, suggest things for your character and maybe talk through things with the owners there so you know, I think a lot of that's why a lot of people I think these days jump ship from WWE to AEW and various other independent wrestling organizations in the states.
1: Yes. You know, um artistic freedom is important to you when you're a wrestler, when you get to a certain level, but this is there's a balance, okay? You have a yeah. show and every match on the show has a purpose, and your purpose has to get over for that reason it's not about you personally you know so and i think um wwe has homegrown talent that they bring up through developmental so there are there is a point in your career where you think you know and you are like i want to do this and i want to and it does get frustrating because you do have to, you know, it is like a horse and you have a bit in your mouth and you're kind of reined back mm-hmm. a little bit, but um, you have to be because it's a big, huge show and there, they have a point for this and all roads lead to WrestleMania. And if you follow your path, you know, and you do your job, you you might get there. And isn't that what it's all about? I mean, yeah. isn't WrestleMania the wrestling uh, pinnacle of, of the art profession. So there's a balance, you yeah. know, I think when you're, when you're younger, when you're at that point, like three to five years, you're not really green anymore. And you think, but you kind of think that you're better than you really are. Yeah you do start to get an ego because let's face it, when you make it to that point and you have that much time in people are telling you how great you are. Right. And, and so, you know, you believe it, <laughs> but you, do yeah, have yeah. To stay, you know, balanced, you do have to stay humble and be still, Trying to learn psychology isn't something that you get like, oh, you know, you get a light go on over your head and then that's it. You've got it forever. It, it's, it's not like that because your story in the show is going to change. You're not going to stay that way. So once you start to get comfortable, then, you know, your story's going to change and you're going to be like, oh, and then you're going to be lost again. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after a while in your career as well, you were, you started training various wrestlers as well. And I read online that you trained Molly Holly, for example. Yes. How, how did you end up getting into the training side of things? Or did you just want to help people kind of like people, I suppose, helped you?
1: So I'm a big sister. I'm the first born in my family. So I kind of have that big sister. Like I want to take People under my wing and help them. This business, there are some people. they are treacherous man. Like I have seen some people do some things to other people. I, I'm. It's appalling, really. And it's all because yeah. they were insecure. And so you know, people didn't pull that crap with me because I'm a shoot fighter. I, I'm an MMA fighter, and they're like, you know, they just wanted to get rid of me <laughs> <So, like, laughs> totally. <they, laughs> They don't want to be worried about pissing me off because yeah. they're like, don't choke me out. And I would, I, I, if you, you know, cross the line. Yeah. Your chances, I might do that. Uh, if I wanted to, I could. And that's unnerving for people. So I felt very protective of people like a big sister. And I took people under my wing to mentor them and also in a way, protect them from those people. Because <laughs> if that's my friend, you don't mess with my friend neither. Cause that I come for you too. So, um, I met her at a, a wrestling show and she was introducing herself and, um, she was there with some people and I knew that they were in wrestling, but I knew that they weren't, uh, polished. So I thought, you know, I saw her and I like knew immediately, like, I need to help this girl. She's a natural. She just really was a natural. And she had such a great attitude. She's an amazing person, but she's super sweet. And so I I saw that she was also a little vulnerable. So I was like, big, I'm your big sister. You tell everybody that uh, I'm your trainer now. And I, um. Actually, we were roommates for a little while, so that I could take her to the dojo. Uh, I was working at a uh, out of a dojo in Winter Haven. I can't think of the name of the federation right now, and they gave me the keys so I could go and train anytime I wanted, and I would work with her. And then, um, and then she wrestled on a show in uh, Tampa, and she met Lanny Poffo, and then the rest is history.
0: Yeah. Independent wrestling in America now from me looking from Ireland into the world of entertainment with uh, stuff like fight TV and various streaming services, independent wrestling like has more of a platform now, I think than it ever has before. Is that fair to say over there?
1: Yes, it's great. Technology has created opportunities for people to, um, really get their product out there more YouTube and, um, you know, it's great. It's a great way to learn. The more opportunities you create, the more you get in front of the camera and then you watch it back, then you can uh, self-correct.
0: Yeah. Let's take a look at this shiny new belt and let's let's tell everyone where you want it and what the belt is. I get rid of myself here.
1: All right. So this is uh, the Spartan Championship uh, Women's World Title Belt. Um I won this uh the end of January I think right it's February now yep okay and I defended the belt successfully uh last weekend in a three-way dance and um I'm going for another title belt in 2 weeks at uh Titan Championship wrestling it's uh funhouse wrestling is their product and it will be in Bayville, New Jersey. I go against Debbie Keene. Um, this is a rematch. So uh, she outsmarted me and she got me disqualified last time. So um, I'm coming for her, big yeah. time. I've been training uh, a lot more. I've been training with the bigger guys cause she's a bigger girl, getting myself ready uh, for the match.
0: Uh, during the pandemic, did a lot of your bookings cease when stuff was closed down, or did you get to wrestle more regularly than most people?
1: No, it was shut down over here, totally. Okay. I don't even remember when the school opened back up, but once the school opened back up, that's uh, that's when I, I started to try to make... Uh, make a pathway for myself to really come back into the mainstream. I've been kind of in the background. I have trained at uh Gleason's in Brooklyn. Um, but I was really concentrating on film. I have been in, um, my first action film, um, blood mixed. It, it's a kind of a horror supernatural action film. I play big mama and, um, I had a really great fight scene with the uh, star of the show, a man. And, uh, he, I was training also, uh, in martial arts at, at the dojo. That's how I met that crew of people and, um, training in the 52 blocks is the, the art. It's, uh, kind of like a Kung Fu meets Krav Maga kind of hand-to-hand short in close fighting style. Um, and then I was training at Gleason's with Johnny rods at that school. Um, but then when everything shut down, I, 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 live in Jersey, so I wasn't commuting into the city anymore. So then I had to find, uh, some local stuff. And, um, I started also during that time, putting together a wellness health and wellness coaching package, uh, a curriculum. I wanted to take everything that I learned about overcoming anxiety um, and g- have a course for people because I realized that this pandemic, and I know that our world will never be the same. and and I'm right about that. And I you know, now we're in have war in the world and a pandemic. So and that'll cause other problems. And I believe where we're going, you know, this is, uh, your manifestation of this what's going on spiritually of good versus evil is really getting manifested on earth right and, yeah. and I think um, it's not something to be afraid of but people automatically fear change and especially since it's so traumatic and dramatic of a change right it, it is scary you can't help but worry for people's livelihood when people are dying yeah but you can't let that control your life
0: yeah. you
1: have to not be robbed of life you, the truth is our life is fragile you something can happen to you walking out of the street people get struck by lightning like life has always been this fragile But this Mm -hmm. is bringing it more to our awareness, but we can control what we focus on and we can focus our awareness. And that's really what my program is about, Elevated Living.
0: So where, where can people find out more about that? And is this, is it an online kind of course?
1: It's an online kind of course. I'm almost finished putting together the webinar. Most of our website is up, but it's not finished. So what I would say is for people to stay connected to me on social media, because when I launch Elevated Living, I, it'll be all over my social media and it'll be on my website. So the best thing to do is just stay connected to me personally. And um, the webinar, it's going to be, you know, a- a- affordable, you know, and um, there then it, i have uh, materials available for people that they could do self-study or if they want additional levels of coaching there's different levels of coaching that can fit on any budget
0: yeah i think when that launches i'd love to have you back on to talk just about that and just break it down for everyone maybe it'd be nice to do
1: awesome i would love that
0: yeah in terms of in terms of yourself, then, you said that you were kind of dabbled in the movie world as well. Is there any kind of projects that you have coming up or stuff you want to work on?
1: Yes. So right now, in um, mostly in post-production, although there might be some little scenes that have to get tied up. I'm not quite sure um, yeah. because I'm an actress in it. I wrote a lot of it, but I'm not the director. So I don't know, you know, how much has to, is left for that. But The Lolly King is uh, a crazy comedy. It is raunchy and it's really raunchy. And we really make fun of people. I don't know if you have these types of people in in, in Ireland, but in New Jersey and in uh, the Northeast uh, America, we have people that think because they're italian or they think that somebody in their family's in the mafia that they're a tough guy and and everything they do is like they're some kind of mob boss right yeah it's so ridiculous these people are so ridiculous it's like so delusional so we wrote a script all about making fun of these kinds of people it's hilarious
0: it's
1: so bad (laughs)
0: guys that think they're in the sopranos is it
1: yes yeah ridiculous and i play shelly nunchucks who is like the sister of one of these mob guys right and um i think that i'm a superstar martial artist just because i love jackie chan and bruce lee and all i do is watch martial arts films <laughs> I like jack myself up all the time trying to do like nut jobs and jobs and silly stuff. It's hilarious. So yeah, that was so, released um this year, 2022. Excellent. And then excellent. the other project that I'm working on that I'm in is um Circle of Champions, which is a documentary about the history of women's professional wrestling. And that's like a big, huge honor. There's like so many famous professional wrestlers, both men and women in it, um, that it is such an honor to be in. And um, that will be released in 2023.
0: Excellent. Excellent. There's you got a lot of stuff going on. Yes. Yeah. Thanks a million for your time today and best of luck with everything. We're going to definitely get you back on hopefully soon
1: okay great um is it okay if i let people know my website absolutely it's uh angel and you can find me on facebook the fan page is the angel orsini on twitter and instagram the angel orsini thank you so would, much
0: no problem i will put all the links that you've said there underneath this video and it was an absolute pleasure to have you on today thanks so much
1: Thank you. God bless. Best of look with everything. Thanks. You too.
0: Thank you.